0: Welcome to another week of the Uproar Podcast, where we believe that the power of God is still moving and changing a generation.
1: I got to be honest with you, when I was standing in the front row and I was trying to figure out what it is that I was supposed to say, because I want to be so sensitive to what God is doing in this atmosphere and what he's doing in this church and what he's doing in the conference, I got excited. I got excited when the Holy Spirit told me that I was going to preach this message to you. I got excited. I got excited because now I get to talk to you about one of my favorite people in the Bible everybody has their favorite bible character am i right my favorite bible character i get to talk to you about him now there's a smart aleck in the room going that's right jesus of course jesus is number one okay but then after him after him it's a complete free for all like i'm sure if we were to take a census in the room somebody's gonna say daniel somebody else is gonna say david someone else is gonna mention prophet so-and-so if you're a lady in the place you might say ruth or esther if you're new testament i love mary but for me tonight i get to talk Talk to you about my favorite, and his name is Paul. Paul the Apostle. Paul the Apostle is the man. He is absolutely incredible. When we first meet him, he is not Paul the Apostle. He is Saul of Tarsus. He goes from Saul of Tarsus to Paul the Apostle, and it's amazing because he starts off murdering Christians, but then transitions to end up leading our church. He ends up leading the Christian church. It is because of the writings of Paul. It is because of the leadership of Paul that we have an established New Testament church. Not only do we have an established New Testament church, but half of our New Testament, almost half of our New Testament is written by Paul. He's, he's responsible for some of your favorite books. He's responsible for some of your favorite verses. And because of his writing, because of his writing, we are able to understand grace. Because of his writing, we are able to understand grace. He was able to put language and eloquence to the grace of God. And as a result of it, we are able to understand it. Paul is the man. He is a leader's leader he is a disciple he is a teacher and most importantly he is an apostle but although he is all those things I cannot imagine that he was that good of a preacher because preachers pride themselves on their ability to articulate communicate and captivate an audience So what does it say about your preaching if someone not only falls asleep while you're preaching, but dies while you're preaching? I mean, think about it. The next time somebody walks up to you and goes, oh, bro, I heard the worst sermon I've ever heard in my life. I want you to look them back square in the eyes and then ask them, yes, but did you die? And what is amazing to me, what is amazing to me about Paul is that it is very obvious that he does not care that he just murdered a man with his sermon. Because did you know, do you know how insecure preachers could be? Oh my God, preachers are some of the most insecure people in the world. I mean, if we don't get enough people to shout us back in our sermons or, or retweet our tweets or, or comment on our preaching, we think that we failed. If, if nobody responds to the salvation altar call, we put that on us. We, we will leave the church immediately, run home and hide our sorrows in Taco Bell and vanilla ice cream. So I've heard, so I've heard, so I've heard. And yet it amazes me. It amazes me that Paul does not run from the scene of the crime. He runs toward the scene of the crime. Because there is something that Paul understands that I believe many preachers today have completely ignored preachers spend so much time on their ability trying to develop their communication skills that they spend all that time in their communication skills and yet have not spent any time communicating with the Holy Spirit. See what Paul understands, what Paul understands is that this young boy is not dying or coming back to life predicated on his ability to exegete the text. He understands that the only way that anything is going to happen in this upper room or on this bottom floor is if the Holy Spirit comes. See, what I love about Paul is that he was not thinking the way that most preachers are thinking today. He is not trying to wow you. He is not trying to convince you that he is that good of a preacher. He understands that if everybody walks in the room one way, but if the Holy Spirit does not come, then everybody is leaving the same way that they walked in. This is why he writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Verse 1, and so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in my weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but but on God's power. Two things I want you to catch off of that. First, he says, when I came, I said, I don't know anything else but Jesus. I got one message. It's Jesus. If I'm going to talk to you, I'm going to talk to you about Jesus. You want me to preach at your Uproar Conference? Cool. I'm going to preach Jesus. You want me to come back preach to your men? Okay. Jesus. You want to talk to your woman? You want me to come on a Sunday? It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. See, here's the thing. It does not matter the name behind the microphone, it matters about the name being spoken over the microphone. If Jesus be spoken, at the mention of Jesus, life change will happen. This is why Paul is putting us on game. He's saying Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If Jesus is our message, then that's all that we need. I'm not trying to convince you that I'm the smartest one in the room. In fact, I I am the foolish things of the world that God will use to confound the but if Jesus be present, if his name be spoken, because do you know that at the mention of his name, demons have to flee? At the mention of his name, healing happens. At the confession and the pronouncement of his name, salvation sets in place. Why? Because there is power in the name of Jesus. If anybody else believes that, give them a shout. He says, I got one message, it's, it's Jesus, it's, it's Jesus, I can only preach to you Jesus, it's, it's Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Jesus, and, and if I preach about Jesus, then the Holy Spirit will be present. And he starts to talk about a demonstration of the Spirit's power. I would guess, I would guess that that's exactly what he was preaching in that upper room. So in the upper room where the Holy Spirit is being preached and young Eutychus falls out the window to his death, he did not look at that as an obstacle. He looked at that as an opportunity because you don't get to preach about demonstration without having to give an illustration. So if he's going to talk about resurrection power, if he's going to talk about life change, if he's going to talk about the stories of Jesus, he might have been telling them about blind Bartimaeus. He might have been telling them about the, about the lame friend that came through the roof. He might have been telling them about Lazarus, or he might have told them how Jesus died, but then three days later resurrected himself, and he's talking to these people. And then yet he's put in a position To now put his money where his mouth is. Now to put his faith where his mouth is. I need you to hear this. Because I'm glad we're pumped on a Friday night in August. July. (laughs) You gotta love that kid that's like, is it August? Like, Don't take it so literal. You got to love that we're in the middle of a summer conference. (laughs) September's coming. School's coming. Stay with me. They're going to ask you what you did this summer. They're going to ask you where you went. They're going to ask you about that thing that you were posting about on your story. They're going to ask you, What's that, where's that hoodie from? Where's that merch from? They're going to ask you. They're going to say, man, I saw you tweet those things. I, I saw you put that. What, what was that thing? Was that a club? What was that? Was that a church? What was that? They're going to try to figure it out. And you know what you're going to do? You're, you're going to share with them. You're going to share with them your experience. However, be careful. Because if you're willing to talk about it, you better be willing to walk it out. You know, it's the greatest way to walk it out on your knees, in prayer, because see what I love about, what I love about this is that Paul shows us how to respond to all of the young people that are falling out of church. I am tired of seeing young people fall out of church. I am tired of seeing young people that are excited in July and then backslidden in August. I'm I'm tired of seeing young people that were once shouting and then sitting. They were once showing up and then they stopped coming. I'm, I'm tired of seeing it, I'm tired of seeing it. I wanna I want to see a generation on fire. I wanna see a generation that is excited about the presence of Jesus. I, I wanna see a generation, whether it be in upstate New York or in this city, I wanna see a generation rise up. Does, does anybody else wanna see that, that, that we would see a group of young people that aren't falling out of church? No, but are falling into church and we're trying to figure out more ways. We, we got to create more space. We, we got to add more services. We, we can't even do one service on a Friday night. We got to add two services on a Friday night. We, we got to get a bigger space for the conference. We, we got to think bigger. We, we got to think more because at one point, the young people were falling out of church. But in this season, the young people are falling in the church. We, I I have such a heart for revival. I I have such a heart for the next generation. I want to see young people, young people saved, young people delivered. I do not believe that the Holy Spirit is waiting for you to turn 21. There is no junior Holy Spirit. He can fill you now, and he wants to fill you now. He wants to fill your minds. He wants to fill your heart. He wants to fill your mouth. He wants to fill your life. Track with me. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, you were just expert screamers. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, you were just church attenders. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, you were just a registration. We didn't do all this just to do all this. We did this so that you would fall so much in love with Jesus that you would throw your life at the mission what's the mission the mission is is to see lost people saved. What's the mission? What's the what's the mission? The mission is to see young people on fire. What's the mission? The mission isn't just to be loud in church. The mission is to be loud in school. the The mission isn't just that the Holy Spirit fills our corridors, but that the Holy Spirit fills our hallways. What's the what's the mission that we would be looked at those that turn the world upside down? What's the mission? What's the mission that the atheist believes? What's the mission that the one that believes differently? Will convert. What's the mission that young people be saved and that healing happens and that predicated off of the one teen that had an encounter with Jesus? He or she goes back and preaches the good news to his parents, to our parents, and the siblings are saved, and the uncles are saved, and the father that was an alcoholic, the alcoholism be broken in the name of Jesus. What's the mission that young people would not wait, but that they would rise? And they would not, they would not listen. They would not judge the Eutychus, but they would throw their life at the Eutychus. There's no doubt in my mind that bullying exists equally in church as it does in school. If there was someone that used to be here but isn't here, and you find it fun texting them, mocking them, talking about them my friend you are worse off than Eutychus because Eutychus died outside of the house here you are dead in the house (laughs) hear me this is not necessarily simply about the one that fell out of church this is a sermon for the one that fall that fell asleep and is about to fall out Of church I'm gonna be your brother right now I'm gonna say wake up I'm gonna be your friend right now I'm gonna say wake up because the thing is the thing is how did not anyone wake Eutychus up but that's church folk they're so content that they have their seat and that they're in the building they're not actually worried about the condition of the person to their left or the person to their right and So you're telling me Paul had to run out of the church to raise him up? You're telling me nobody could have woke up Eutychus in service? You're telling me no one caught him dazing off? I grew up in church. I've been in and out of services. You can get so used to this thing, man. You could get so used to the presence of God. You could, you could get so used to the shout. You could get so used to the preaching. You can get so used to the worship that, that you're not even impressed as if it was supposed to impress you. Can you imagine being in a service and thinking, oh, that song again? Oh, we're gonna do that again. He's gonna talk about Jesus again. I wish we did something else. It is easy to fall asleep in church when you get so used to the message when you get so used to the methodology and you make it about the approach as opposed as opposed to making it about the one that we're talking about it is not about entertaining you. It is not about impressing you. It is not about making you laugh. It is about making it about Jesus. Stay focused. Stay awake. Track with me. Because in order to make sure that every Eutychus either wakes up or comes back, the response isn't necessarily preaching. It's prayer. It's prayer. It's it's prayer and that's what makes this so powerful, because if we could teach young people to pray at 13, if we could teach 13-year-olds and 14-year-olds and 15-year-olds and 16- year-olds and 17-year-olds and 18- year-olds to develop a prayer life now, what will their 20s look like? What will their 30s look like? Well, what would it look like if you learned if you learned how to develop a prayer life now? I mean I mean, Martin Luther said that a, a Christian that doesn't pray is the equivalent of a human that doesn't breathe. Prayer is your ability to communicate to God and for him to communicate with you. He's, let's take our cue from Paul. Paul, what does he do in this moment? He, he, doesn't, he doesn't gossip. He doesn't mock. He doesn't, he doesn't leave insecure. I mean, if I would have killed someone with my sermon, I might have just went to the green room for a second. He went from the pulpit to the street. He went from the pulpit to the street. Why? Because he meant what he said. And because he meant what he said his words did not just keep him tied to a pulpit because he was able to speak behind a pulpit but because he was really about that life the pulpit led him to the street hear me every preacher every youth pastor if you are only good explaining it but not living it there is an issue if the only time your young people see you is when you are behind the pulpit but they have not actually seen you practice what you preach There is where lies the issue if they could see you on social media flexing your fit, but they've never seen you in the street, in the lunchroom, on the streets, praying with people, cleaning up your own building, serving the people in your community. You keep preaching about the problem, but, friend, you are the problem. He goes from the pulpit to the street. Why? Because he meant what he said. He goes exactly to where the problem was. He didn't run to the problem. He took on the problem. He wasn't good at just speaking about the problem. He was good at approaching the problem. We cannot just point out problems. Because I promise you, if you don't ever get close to the problem, you will become crude and rude when you talk about the problem. Distance creates distortion. So the longer you talk about issues and you talk about sexuality and you talk about identity, but you don't spend no time with anyone that's actually dealing with sexuality or identity, you will talk about them in such a narcissistic, crude, and rude way. But if you just spend some time with people and understand what they're going through and understand their background. And understand what had happened to them. You won't be so mean-spirited when talking to them about grace. How do you have mean-spirited grace preachers? Paul runs up to the problem. He runs up to Eutychus. And what does he do? Track with me. He stands over that body. He, he stands over the body. He, he stands over the body. And, and, and what does he say? He says, stop crying stop crying dead men don't cry he's talking to the people the same people that were just shouting him down in the upper room the same people that were just up there with him preaching him down as he was preaching the word they went from faithful to faithless in a matter of seconds they went from peace to pandemic in seconds they went from peace to pandemonium in seconds one moment they're shouting about the goodness of god the next moment they have an opportunity for the goodness of god to be on full display but they miss it they they go from shouting joy to now crying in fear so now paul instead of just managing the problem he has to pastor the people through throughout the problem because it's not only eutychus that's dead in this moment but so is their faith So he stands over the body, stands over the body. And he doesn't just stand over the body. If he was just a Baptist, he would have stood over the body and he might have prayed. If he was just Baptist, if he was just Baptist, he would have stood over the body and he would have just prayed. If he was non-denom, which is low-key Pentecostal, but you know, we too cool for school. So we say non-denom, he would have got down on one knee. He would have got down on one. If he was non-denom, because like we're with it, but we're not all the way with it. You know what I mean? If he was Pentecostal. He would have got down on both knees. Pentecostals, he would have did the rock and everything. He just, the bounce. You know what I'm talking about? He wasn't Baptist. He wasn't non-denom. He wasn't Pentecostal. He was desperate. And because he was desperate, he lays on top of the body. He puts his life on top of it, and he says, In the name of Jesus, can you breathe over Eutychus? In the name of Jesus, can you bring this child back? In the name of Jesus, would you fall on this young man? Because I know he's dead, but he's not supposed to be dead. See, it takes a special kind of faith to throw your life at something that's dead and say, I declare it be alive. It's dead right now, but it's not supposed to be dead right now eutychus is dead but he's not supposed to be dead let me help you this generation is dead but it's not supposed to be dead my parents are dead they're not supposed to be dead because for me and my household we will serve the lord he's sick he's not supposed to remain sick she's broken she's not supposed to remain broken so in the name of jesus there is life there is life there is life are we going to just talk about the life or are we going to throw our life at it? Is there anybody in the room that would say I was made for revival? I'm a man on mission. I'm a woman on mission. What is dead, it's only dead right now. It will get up and it will breathe again. My high school will breathe in the name of Jesus. My middle school will breathe in the name of Jesus. My brother will breathe. My sister will breathe. My friends will breathe. My family will breathe. The addiction will be broken. Alcoholism cannot breathe life. There is life. Lust cannot breathe life. There is life. The fornication coming to an end. The drugs coming to an end. I know it seems dead, but it's only dead right now. There is life. If there's anybody full of faith in the room, I dare you to lift up your hands, open up your mouth, and with everything you got, give Jesus Jesus, the king and lord of revival your best shout one two three go it is time we stop with these nice cute one day conference prayers and we start praying desperately we start praying honestly we start praying desperately we Don't just say, I want revival. Can you do it, Lord? When you are desperate for a revival, you throw your life at that thing. And how could we not? Jesus threw his life at us so that we could have life. Literally the living model. He lived and died and then lived again. He threw his life at it so that sin would not be our issue. We can't be in a room hyping each other up. But then Monday comes around. Tuesday comes around, and we're doing the same old, same old. We're living life, doing the same old things. We're not being honest about our purity. We're not being honest about our insecurity. We're not being honest about our struggles. When you are desperate for a change, you are willing to change. Paul, what does he do? He, he prays desperately. Go on ahead and write that down. Not only does he pray desperately, he prays specifically. Write that down you have to learn how to pray specific prayers stop all these stop all these just ambiguous big prayers let's let's get down to it what are you really talking about when a patient goes to the doctor and the doctor has to tell the patient that the patient has cancer the doctor does not just come back in the room and say yep you have cancer. The doctor will show the patient exactly where the cancer is. Why? Because by showing the patient exactly where the problem lies, they are able to solve the problem. God is very much aware of your problems. He wants to know are you honest enough to be specific about them? You're dealing with addiction? Tell him you're dealing with addiction. Yeah? You're dealing with insecurity, tell him you're dealing with insecurity. You're dealing with frustration, tell him you're dealing with frustration. You're cutting yourself, tell him you're cutting yourself. He knows, but tell him. He knows, but tell him. You want to see your high school saved? Tell him about your high school. And let me say this, let me say this, catch this. In your pursuit for revival... You do not have to tell your non-saved friends that revival is coming. They won't understand it. Corinthians says that when you are not full with the Holy Spirit, the things of God seems foolish to you. So what ends up happening is you find yourself in a debate. You end up finding yourself in a debate with someone about the things of God. But then you end up arguing with the wrong person. Don't argue with them about God. Start arguing with God about them. Start talking to God and pray for the issue. Start to God and pray for a revival my my friends are, are are broken my my friends are addicted so-and-so is a bully God would you save them would you arrest them would you save my parents would you allow my brother and my father to put down the bottle would you allow my mom to get up out of the bed she stays in the bed all day Lord would you allow her to get up there's a lot of insecurity there's a lot of doubt there's a lot of frustration Lord I know you're aware of it I'm aware of it can can you do it for him I've seen you do it before, Lord. You you did move the mountain. Can Can you remove this rock? You have to learn how to pray specifically. And to pray specifically is to pray honestly. Tell them where the problem is. Tell them where your insecurity is. Tell them where your doubt is. What did Paul do? He prayed desperately. He prayed specifically. And he prayed instantly. He didn't wait. Some of you, some of you have allowed your problems to get the best of you. And I don't minimize anyone's problem. You have no idea what someone is going through. You have no idea what someone is dealing with. So let's be careful when we minimize someone's problem. But let me also encourage you that you do not need to wait as long as you're waiting. The enemy would love to convince you that you need to wait minute, that you need to grab your bearings before you pray. But I promise you, the best thing you could do when facing a problem is pray immediately. When you are facing a problem, you don't necessarily need to just talk to someone. You need to talk to God. You need to pray immediately. Paul, he prayed desperately. He prayed specifically, and he prayed immediately. He did not wait for the service to end. He did not wait to get his point out. He He prayed immediately. He prayed immediately. He prayed immediately some of you are waiting for the next youth conference to show up for you to pray you're waiting for the next youth night you're waiting for the next sermon you're waiting for the next series on sex so that you could deal with your issue but you don't have enough time you can't wait for a series to get your breakthrough Here's a better point. You don't need a series to get your breakthrough. You don't need a theme. All you need to do is learn how to pray in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus over my parents. I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus over my children, in the name of Jesus over my youth group, in the name of Jesus over my church, in the name of Jesus over my friends, in the name of Jesus over myself. God, I got this issue. Can you heal my heart, Lord? I've been bitter for a while now. Can you touch my mind, Lord? God, can you deal with my mouth? I have this problem with gossip. I have this problem with being negative. I got this problem about talking about other people's business when I should really be keeping it to myself. God, would you would you touch my mouth? He was dead. But he wasn't dead for long. There are things that are dead in your life that should have been resurrected a long time ago. Oh, that prayer life should have been rekindled a long time ago. That worship life should have been rekindled a long time ago. I'm not shaming you, but I am pointing it out. You did, it did not take all of that for you to get here in order for you to get it. I'm glad that you're going to get it, but it didn't need to take all that time. You could have had it immediately. You could have had it immediately. You could have had it immediately. Some of you are carrying stuff from last conference. Some of you are carrying stuff from last summer. Some of you are carrying stuff from last July. And he's saying, son, daughter, I could have did it for you back then. Do you know your prayers are not making God aware of your problems? Your prayers are allowing you to come into agreement with God about your problems. Two different things. You're not putting God on. You're getting on the same page with him. Worship team, you could help me. Ben, you could help me. If you don't respond immediately... hardship, then what do you do with your response? Where are you going? What are you scrolling to? What are you picking up? Where are you spending your time? If you're not talking to God, who are you talking to? Because I promise you, you're spending your time somewhere. But the longer you spend with someone or something that you shouldn't, it's simply only keeping you from who you should be with. Can we just pause for a second? I don't say any names. But in all seriousness, who's someone in your world that fell out of church. Just think about it. What did you do to pursue them? Man,
0: we're
1: all guilty. How'd you respond? You heard so and so is hurting, you heard so and so is in the hospital, you you heard so-and-so's angry, you heard so and so's sick. What did you do? Praying for you, bro? Did you? He's commenting on a caption. You know, commenting it on the caption isn't the same as doing it. If we had as many praying for you's that have been written in someone's caption actually be put into place, do you know how much revival would have already broken out? You know what's amazing about prayer? That I don't have to tell you that I'm praying for you for you to know that I'm praying for you. Because when I'm praying for someone and God responds to my prayer, God doesn't only do it for me, but he does it in them. And then they know, no, man, something just shifted. I was angry. Now I'm not angry. I was sick. Now I'm not healed. I was in the club, but I couldn't stop thinking about church. There's a shift. You, they can't even sin right anymore. They, they can't even do it. There's a shift. There's And I didn't have to tell them I was praying for them because I prayed. And then God spoke to them. And the Holy Spirit fell on them. See, what I'm trying to get after is how are you responding? responding to hardship are you only good at giving a great christianese response to hardship or are you really about it i know 2020 is gone but, but what if that happens again how would you respond this time are you backsliding again are you smoking again are you are you questioning life again how do you respond because how you respond matters few years ago I was I was in Miami I was attending a conference my wife was with me my children were with me you know when you're a pastor that's how you go on vacation you fly out to a conference and then in between sessions you go in the pool You you don't tell your kids there's a conference you just tell them we're going to the pool we were in the pool some of our other pastor friends were there with their children. We're hanging out. We're having a good time. We spent a good amount of time. We're all getting out. And my wife, her name is Jairus. And I have my son Dylan, who you met, and my daughter Chloe. Chloe was, a, was young at this time, about four years ago. And as we're getting out of the pool, Jairus, she says my name, and then she says Chloe's name. And the tone that she used to say my name to then the tone that she used to say Chloe's name, I knew that something was wrong. She said, Chris, Chloe. Now, in fairness, Chloe was maybe 10 feet from me. And to be honest, from the looks of it, she was fine. She seemed fine. She seemed fine. But I'm not a dumb man. My wife said it. Jump to it. Happy wife, happy life. <laughs> I jump in the pool. I grab my baby. The moment I pick her up, she starts to cough up all this water. My baby was drowning only 10 feet away from me and I didn't realize I was in the same vicinity as her she was drowning and I was fine and if I went by what it seemed I would have left her I might have even argued with my wife Christians, if we could just shut up with our arguments and stop telling me why they're drowning or if they're really drowning, but if we could just run after them, if we could just stop using the language that gets all the other Christians that think like us excited, but, but really, really run after the ones that are drowning and hurting. If, if, if we could just do that because, because you could make an argument, but can I tell you that in the middle of an argument, you might lose a life. There might be a child of God drowning, and they're right there, and you, you want to make a point. drowning if I did not jump into that pool with all of my clothes on and grab my daughter she would not be here today. all right so when conference is over in a few days what are we doing with our time? We want to make Friday a good night. I don't think it's by turning up the volume, even though I'm all about turning up the volume. I think it's about looking to our left. Or looking to our right. And going, the reason why she's so loud is because she's looking for attention. And realizing the reason why she keeps joking or he keeps joking mid surfaces because they're dealing with some other stuff on the inside. The reason why they don't want to leave is because they don't want to go home. What's happening at home? If this conference does not change how you respond to hurting people, then we failed. But too much prayer went into this conference. Too much worship. Too much word went into this conference. I could feel it. I could feel it. I could feel it. Too much. Too much fasting went into this conference. Too much investment went into this conference. There is no way we are leaving this place the way that we walked in. So then, what you have to be honest about is how you are willing to respond in crisis. How are you willing to respond? When times go hard, how are you willing to respond? Are you gonna are you gonna backslide again? Are you gonna gossip on God again? Are you gonna are you gonna harm yourself again? Are you gonna pick up the drug again? Are you gonna pick up the drink again? How do you respond? How do you respond? Do you second guess? Do you think about leaving the church again? How do you respond? What do you do when life happens again? Because life is gonna happen again. Hardship is gonna happen. There is no doubt the difference, the difference that I've learned in life is that my problems don't change, but my willingness to respond does it's it's not that life comes with new problems it's that your life should come with new attitudes and new responses so that when hardship happens and difficulties happen and pandemics happen and young people falling out of church happens how do you respond because because pastor here's the irony of the whole story the name eutychus literally translates to good fortune so the question that the Holy Spirit wanted me to ask you is this, simply, how do you respond when good fortune goes out the window? Do you just sit there and stare, or do you get up and throw your life at it and say, not on my watch, there will be life. Resurrection is happening. Revival is happening. He will come back. She will come back. He will get up. She will come healed. She will be healed. Is there anybody in the room that believes like that? Is there anybody in the room that agrees like that? I dare you. Stand on your feet. Lift up your hands. Take the next three minutes. Take the next four minutes. Take the next five minutes. And with everything you've got, if you need to jump, jump. If you need to kneel, kneel. If you need to get to this altar, get to this altar. But turn up the volume on your worship and give Jesus your best praise. One, two, three, go. Jesus. Jesus, if my people, Jesus, if my people who are called by my name, Jesus, 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 if they would humble themselves, if they would pray, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I'm going to throw my life at it. I'm, I'm going to throw my life at it. I'm, I'm not gonna throw my life away. I did that in 2020. I'm gonna throw my life at it. I'm, I'm not gonna throw my life away. I'm, I'm not gonna waste my time saying stupid things, looking at silly things, spending my time sniffing things, smoking things, consuming things, saying things. Nope, I'm gonna throw my life at it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw my life at it. And I'm gonna fight my battles in prayer. I'm gonna fight my battle in worship. I'm gonna fight my battles in praise. My family will be saved in the name of Jesus. My, my siblings will be saved in the name of Jesus. My, my school will be saved. They, they will be saved. they they will be saved i'm not going back i'm not i'm not looking at that website anymore i'm not i'm not behaving like that anymore come come on young people lift up your hands lift up lift up your hands lift lift up your hands and and just start to worship just just start to worship eh? we're going to cultivate this moment let's let's steward this moment I, I need all the intercessors to start to pray if you speak in other tongues speak in other tongues come on let's fill this atmosphere with our worship let's let's fill this atmosphere with our our holy Heavenly language. Come on, let's start to pray. Let's start to pray. Let's, let's start to pray in the name of Jesus. We're going to leave tonight praying for a revival for the outside world but we have no d- business dealing with outside if we don't first deal with inside hold on hold on hold on hold on would you close your eyes if you're an intercessor just start to pray if you're in this room And you know you're not where you're supposed to be with God. You know that you're behaving inappropriately. You you know that your prayer life isn't where it's supposed to be. You know that you're not reading like you're supposed to. You you may feel far from God. You may not even feel like you feel his presence. You you feel like you're falling asleep in church. Whoever you are, just lift up your hands. Lift up your hands. Lift them up. Jesus. Okay. Jesus. Jesus. Keep those hands up. Keep those hands up. Keep those hands up. If you're a pastor in the room and you feel that way, lift up your hand. It's okay. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. If there's somebody next to you with a hands up, put your hand on their shoulder. Put your hand on their shoulder. We are a brother's keeper. Put your hand on their shoulder put your hand we we got people over here we got young men over here just come come place your hand on their shoulders just come place your hand on their shoulders just just place your hand on their shoulders place your hand on their shoulders Jesus 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 Oh Jesus 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 there's life there's life there's there's life there's life there's there's life in the name of Jesus and there's life in the name of Jesus there's life in the name of Jesus there's there's life in the name of Jesus there's there's life in the name of Jesus there's life in the name of Jesus there's there's life in the name of Jesus there's there's life in the name of Jesus there's life in the name of Jesus there's there's life in the name of Jesus there's there's life in the name of Jesus. There's life in the name of Jesus. There's there's life in the name of Jesus. There's there's life in the name of Jesus. Thank you for your son. Thank you for the man of God that he is. Thank you for the anointing that is on his life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There's life. There's life. There's life. There's life. There's life. There's life. Come on, intercessors. Come on. Come on. Keep praying. Keep praying. Just there's life, there's, there's life. Come on, just shake their shoulder in a kind way. There's life, I'm with you. I'm not going to let you fall asleep on my watch. There's life, there's life, there's, there's life, there's life. I'm with you, I'm with you. You don't got to be embarrassed. I'm with you. There's life. There's life, 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 there's life. Holy Spirit, we ask right now that you fall on each and every young person that might have found themselves in a sleepy season or in a spiritually dead season. I pray, oh God, that you would revive them right now. Holy Spirit, I pray that you fall on them right now, oh God. Give them a new hunger for the word, oh Father God. Give them a new hunger for worship and for prayer and for praise, oh Father God. I know they've been where they've been, but, Father God, you are in the business of turning things around. And what the enemy meant for bad, you will use for good. The enemy thought that he had them, but, God, they just dead for a little bit. They're, they're getting up. There's life. There, there's life. There's there's life. There's life. There's, there's life. There's life. There's life. There's life. There's life. Oh, God, that this would be the generation, that this would be the generation that said they heard from the Lord, that this would be the generation that hears from you, that this would be the generation that spends times with you, that this would be the generation that seeks you diligently. Jesus there's life there's life there's life there's life now can i get all of you to lift up your hands and in your own words just start to worship come on let's just worship in the sweet presence of god we we praise you god come on just offer up your hallelujahs yeah offer up your hallelujahs offer up your praise Come on, is he God? If he's not God, then you could be quiet and you don't have to worship him like he is. But if he's God and he's good, come on, start to worship him. Start to start to worship him. We worship you. We worship you. We we worship you. We, we worship you. now if he's worthy just worship him just worship him just worship him we worship you god we worship you god we worship you jesus we we praise you god We, we praise you jesus
0: yes
1: god yes god is God's will that all men and all women worship Him if it is God's will that all men and all women worship Him what is the role that we are playing in the lives of the men and the women that we know that we are connected to that have yet to worship Him are we good with just a simple pray for you bro yeah man I'll pray for you man or can we throw our lives at this thing you know? I don't know about you but I'm 37 about to be 38 and all I'm thinking is God I don't want to just read about it I want to experience it God I want to I want to see the next generation rise up and I'm, I want to see the next generation go further, and then and then, can the generation that follows them, can they go further than them? And then the generation that follows that generation, and that follows that generation, can, can there be such a fire? Can there just be such an excitement that, that we stay on mission? That we're not comfortable enough with just a full room, but, but we're like, there are people out there, and they're dying, and they're giving their lives to, to drugs, and to, and to sex, and to addictions, and, and to lifestyles that will do nothing. At least Eudic has made it to church. What about the one that doesn't even make it? Pastor, what's your message that is about? Is it about prayer? Is it about mission? What is it? Both. You could tell if someone's on mission by their prayer life. There's no way you have a prayer life and you're not on mission to pursue the Great Commission. There's no way. There's no way that you're spending time with God and God is spending time with you and he is just okay with you showing up to church. He's like, no, go out into all the worlds. Go to the four corners of the world. Let's see lives saved. Let's see addictions broken. Let's see gangs broken up. Let's see people restored. Let's see minds renewed. Let's see people Let's see people full of the Holy Spirit. Would you lift up your hands and would you open up your mouths in the name of Jesus. We spend time in your presence right now. And we say, God, would you fall? Would you fall on your sons and your daughters? Would you fall on our families? Would you fall on our schoolmates? Would you, would you fall on our peers and our co workers? Would you fall on our ministries, oh God? Not for the sake of just packed buildings, but for the sake of, of lives being saved, for, for kingdom's sake. God, we want to see sick people healed. We we want to see atheists believe. We we want to see the left walk on over to the kingdom. We want to see the right walk on over to the kingdom. We, We don't want people establishing their faith on a person. But would they place their faith on the only one? that is Jesus that we wouldn't be proud when we prove a point because if the point didn't introduce them to you then what was the point your word says that he who wins souls is wise oh God would you turn our hearts of stone into hearts of clay with you Would you renew our minds, oh God, that we could be men on mission, that we could be women on mission. That our ministry agendas and our youth ministry agendas, they would be shifted. They would be changed. They would be interrupted. We wouldn't even have time for social media because we're too busy engaging people in real life. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, I feel to do this. Lift up your hands. Lift up your hands. I want you in your own words. I want you in your own words. Start to speak life. Say there is life. And then you fill in the blank. There is life over my school. There is life over my parents. There, there's life. Maybe there's somebody that was supposed to be here tonight, but but they chose not to come. Just start to pray over them. There, there's life over him. Say him by name. Say her by name. There, there's life over Samantha. There's life over Lisa. There, there's life in Jason. There's life in Michael. There, there's life in Stephen. There, there's life. There's, there's life. there's there's life. There's there's life. There's life. There's life in Bobby. There, there's life. There's life. There's life, there's life in Jennifer. There's there's life, there's life, there's life, there's, there's life. Come on, start to pray. Start to pray, start to pray, start to pray. Just- Father God, we're only saying it because we believe it. We're only praying it because we know you hear it. We're only asking for it because your word says, "Asking ye shall receive." Your your word says, "If my people, who are called by my name, would humble themselves and call out to me, I will heal their lands." Well, God, your people, right now in New York, we have humbled ourselves before you and say, "Would you fall on our state? Would you fall? Would you fall on upstate? Would you fall on downstate? Would you fall on the country? Would you fall on the city? God, can we see revival in a in a state that is?" known for its beliefs and its rebellion God can it be renowned for revival? Can it be known for change? Can it be known for the power of the Holy Spirit? We we humble ourselves before you, and we say, can you do what only you could do? We're tired. We're tired of looking at our towns and seeing lifelessness. We're tired of looking at our schools and seeing them as dead. We are your people, and we prophesy. We declare. We decree that they is life we declare that these bones will rise up we declare that the dry land will gain water right now we we declare that what what says has been dead will start breathing again we declare that what is dead will not remain dead we declare that there will be revival and that our best days are in front of us and revival is breaking out We declare it in the precious and matchless name of Jesus. Uproar if you agree with that and believe that. I dare you take the next two minutes without stopping and give Jesus your best praise. One, two, three, go. praise in this place
0: And that concludes another week of the Uproar podcast. We want to invite you to share this podcast on all social media platforms and help us spread the good news of the gospel. Also You can subscribe to this podcast for updates on all of our latest content.